pork in general is is kind of central to uh, a, a lot of Italian cuisine or a lot of European cuisine as well. And, and Europeans in general are very famous for their ability to use uh, the whole animal. You know, pork is obviously one of the, the great animals to, to be able to do that with. This is The Crackling. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Pasta is one of the most beautiful crafts in the world and one of the many gastronomic gifts from Italy. And for Joel Valvasori, specialising in the premium fresh pasta and the delights of Frulli and the Venetian spice route, sets his restaurant apart from the pack. Joel, how are you? Good, thanks. Yourself? Great. It's good to get you on the show. How are things in WA at the moment? Ah, yeah. No, things, things have, you know... Still being, still being good. It's you know coming out of winter, so hopefully uh, people come out of their uh, can't handle the rain kind of slumber that Perth uh, tends to have a bit of. But uh, no, it's all good. Pasta is not uncommon to just about everyone in Australia. It's a staple in most pantries, but you sort of uh, elevate it, and um, it's really at the core of what you do. Tell us a little bit about what you do there. Yeah, so um, at Lulu's, uh, you know, obviously the focus is uh, on on pasta. Um, you know, uh, all all different varieties of uh, of production. Um, you know, lots of different recipes and so on go into into them as well. Um, we really just wanted to um, to you know give give pasta the sort of you know platform that it really deserved. I think uh, I think a lot of the time it um, gets a little bit uh, sort of misunderstood as a as an easy thing to do, um, but uh, yeah, we certainly take it to a to another level, um, and that a lot of that just comes down to uh, to the discipline, um, you know, in in the art itself um, that we put into it. So um, yeah, I think you can feel that um, in the in a texture. Tell us a little bit about the inspiration of the food and the restaurant and, um, you know, what you're doing there. Yeah, so um, I guess the, the backbone of what we do is, um, you know, like, like you stated in the intro, um, you know, it's based around Friuli and the, and the flavours of sort of the Venetian spice root, uh, which, you know, do, do make up a, a heavy portion of the flavours in, in Friuli and, and around the Adriatic as well. Um, so that being said, we don't cook out-and-out Friulana food. It's not just regional cuisine. It really is just the backbone of what we do, um, you know, we we cook in a style of of a cuisine, but it's also made for the Australian public um, using using Australian, you know, predominantly Australian ingredients. Um, yeah, tell us a little bit about the Venetian spice root and Friuli, and you know, what what sort of uh, food are we talking about? It's so so different depending where you are in Italy. Yeah, well, Friuli is a you know a, a Different place in itself. It's uh, at the top of the Adriatic. Um, it does have uh, port town in uh, port, or port city, I should say, in Trieste. Um, situated a little bit above above Venice on the Adriatic as well, but um, you know also bordered by Austria at the north and in the Alps and uh, Slovenia 
um, to the uh, to the east there as well. So a lot of um, influence uh, and a lot of conflict in in history around those areas, um, but also a lot of trade as well. You know, being being a a sort of northern Adriatic port, um, you know, it's kind of the gateway into um, sort of central Europe. Um, so a lot of trade went through those parts. Well, I want to explore what you're doing there a little bit later on at the restaurant. Um, take take us back to when you were young. Where did you grow up and what sort of role did food play for you? Yeah, um, so being a good little Italian family. We um, we actually lived uh, in one of the uh, northern suburbs of Perth and we lived next door to uh, my nonna and nonna um, who had their house. So, um, yeah, which is, which is not uncommon, <laughs> I think, both back in the old country but also over here that uh, you, you're living right next door to your grandparents, um, which also meant that they had a, a huge influence um on our upbringing um and you know especially in the culinary sense as well um you know we spent a lot of time at their house or as kids you know playing around their their gardens and kicking soccer balls into their vegetables and stuff like that um and also stealing the occasional uh little cheeky beans off their vines and stuff like that so yeah had a, had a good good culinary upbringing it's, did pork um, make its way into any of the dishes? Were there any dishes from your youth that you recall that where pork sort of played a role? Yeah, look, I, th- I think pork in general is is kind of central to uh, a, a lot of Italian cuisine or a lot of European cuisine as well. Um, you know, so it uh, you know certainly you know does find its way in whether it's through the the meat itself or you know through the in the in the cured varieties um you know obviously italians are and and europeans in general are very famous for their ability to use uh the whole animal um and you know pork is obviously uh one of the the great animals to to be able to do that with um so yeah you know we I guess we didn't necessarily always have pork on the table, but there might have been some pork involved somewhere. Do you remember any dishes at all that stand out from that time growing up? Like, you know, our our, um, our main pasta sauce at the restaurant is our um, you know tagliatelle with with a ragu, um, and the ragu is uh, a, a veal and pork based. Um, ragu, so that that would be you know kind of one of the, the biggest ones that we would have eaten all the time, um, and you know I've had it on on my menus for as long as I can remember because um, you know for me it's it's kind of perfection. <laughs> <laughs> Without giving away too many of your secrets, take us through the process of a ragu. Like what you know, how do you get such a great ragu? Yeah, look, I, I think um, there's a there's a couple of things, um, technique uh, and time, uh, as in not the herb. Um, technique and time are two of the main things I think that go into building flavour um, in within the ragu. Obviously, the the ingredients and um, stuff that you use is is paramount, um, but also um, you know I think. 
there's a big difference between a lot of ragouts, but they might just be, you know, the subtle use of, you know, a different herb or a different spice or, or so on. So, um, you know, ours is built, uh, you know, with, with your usual, um, you know, garlic and onion, carrot, celery kind of thing, but we have a lot of rosemary, sage, we have a bit of cinnamon, a little bit of dried uh, chilli in there as well. And our ragouts aren't super tomato-y. So there is tomato in there, um, but it's not a very tomato-heavy ragu, neither is, you know, any, anything really in, in a lot of the style of cooking that we do. When did you first sort of start getting interested in food from a career sense? Um, I think it was probably when I moved out of home for the first time and uh, I think I, I, mean, I remember having cooking my, my first sort of, you know, attempt at a pasta sauce outside of home <laughs> and, and it sucked. It, it really sucked. Um, and uh, from that point, like, you know, my nonna used to cook us um, and she used to give us takeaways of her um, sauce, her sugar um, to take home because we were, you know, we were poor, struggling uh, young adults that, <laughs> that you know, needed, needed to be fed. Um, so I remember taking her sugar and just sitting down and with a little spoon in hand and I was looking at it and trying to pick it apart with the spoon and tasting the individual sort of components in it, trying to work out without asking her, of course, what she had put in it. Um, for starters, and then trying to work out how it was that she cooked it. Um, so that that was uh, big because there are you know so many ingredients in it. So nice little lesson in trying to pick apart uh, a dish. Um, so that's probably the first the first sort of thing that I can remember about um, you know apart from baking and stuff as a as a kid. Um, you know when I really started to look into you know, the what's, why's and how's of, of cooking. Tell us about the first couple of years, you know, when you first got your foot in the door in a commercial kitchen. Where, where did you get started and what was it like? Um, so I didn't take the traditional apprenticeship path into cooking. Um, I started off, um, you know, going to TAFE um, in, in Melbourne um, and um, from that, uh, managed to get myself a, a good casual job in a one-hat restaurant um, called Zio's uh, Ristorante. Um, that was in East Melbourne. Um, and I think the, the head chef or the owner chef at the time said to me, I don't need you to know how to cook. Anything I need you to cook, I can teach you. Um, but he just wanted to make sure that you know, had the right attitude, knew my way around uh, the kitchen uh, basics. Um, yeah, so that was the start. So, yeah, starting in a, in a one-hat restaurant, um, you know, sort of really set me up and set my, my path um, within the restaurant industry. Um, I think, you know, if you end up in, in some, you know, lower or lesser places, um, maybe it does start to set you up with some bad habits um, from the outset, but also not realising, um, 
that there are different levels of food um, that that you can that you can be involved in. Um, yeah, so I think it was good to start in in a, in a hatted restaurant to you know to set me on that path. As you built your career in Melbourne, what were the sort of really important people and venues that you worked at? Um, oh, jeez. Um, I think they're all important, you know, along the way, like, like that one. Um, and then, you know, did a little bit of time at uh, Circa um, and um, Sati at the time as well. Um, and then, uh, you know, I think there was Bottega in there. Did a little stint with uh, Matt McConnell um, at uh, at Ballerinia before I moved back to Perth. Um, you know, so I I went to Ballerinia because I really admired what um, what Matt had done there at Ballerinia. Um, it was it was in the sort of well, it would have been in the first sort of four or five years of it, it being open, but always appreciated it from the outside. Um, and I really liked uh, looking in at the business for the way that I could see that it worked and I really wanted to know how he did that from inside. So as much as I only I didn't spend a long time uh, there with Matt, um, I certainly learnt a lot and um, was able to take away a lot to put into my own uh, business down the track. You mentioned uh, before you went back to Perth. Tell us about that period of time. What what lured you over there? Look, it was just it was kind of a, it, the time was right. We'd been in Melbourne for for ten years. Our, our daughter, our first daughter, was uh, you know one year old, I think, at the time. I think it was just sort of time that we realised that um, being around family, um, you know, should really be an important thing for. Um, children growing up um so um i think we came back one christmas and then decided that uh you know if if things didn't work out in our prospective jobs uh, that we were uh, about to start that year that would would probably make the move back what was it like moving back for you was it a big was it a big change yeah it's pretty in, pretty interesting um coming back to perth um perth had just come oh we coming out of the mining boom. So it was the tail end of the, the last mining boom. Um, you know, so the food scene was was very buoyant, not necessarily great, but very buoyant at the time on the back of uh, there being lots of money around. Um, there were, you know, new restaurants opening up all, all over the place. Um, so, yeah, it was interesting. It was hard. It was hard coming back. Um, into uh, a scene that hadn't quite developed properly yet. Um, you know, I think it's it's made uh, lots of headway in the last sort of you know, twelve or so years since I've been back. Um, there's lots of lots of really good restaurants that I think uh, are starting to be uh, competitive. Um, you know, on on a national level. Um, yeah, but yeah, it was it was difficult to try and find the right place and the right people at the time to, you know, get involved with. Um, and I, uh, you know, I was lucky. I, I met the guys from Lalarook, um, 
you know, shortly, or, you know, six months after coming back, um, and they were just about to open Lala Rook. Um, so, yeah, it was lucky, lucky to meet those guys, and we were able to work together for, you know, quite a long time, I think, you know, four and a half years um, in building uh, Lala Rook to, to what it's become um, and, yeah, getting, getting it, you know, recognised on, on the national stage as well. Well, you, you made a real name for yourself there at Lalarook as well. Take us back to that period of time. Was, were there any pork dishes from that period of time for you that you remember that you can share with us? Yeah, well, the back back then um, we actually had a whole pork section on the menu. Um, yeah, so it was it was the whole pig, and we were lucky enough at the time to be um, able to work with uh, with uh, you know some good producers. Um, and, you know, we actually had the storage space and the kitchen size and so on to, to be able to deal in, uh, you know, whole beasts. Um, so, yeah, we are able to break that down. Um, you know, I'm not, I'm not going to lie, we did need a supplement. Uh, being the size of uh, Lullarook, we did need a supplement. Um, some of the things uh, here and there with, with other pork, so it wasn't all just from the, the sort of rare, rare breed farms. Um, but, uh, you know, we, we tried our best to uh, make sure that we could, uh, you know, honour the uh, as much of the animal as possible. Uh, was it was a couple of standout pork dishes, you know, during your time there that you can tell us about? Yeah, so, um, you know, I've, I've always been... Um, into making sausages, um, so you know, as uh, you know, a good a good way to um, utilize uh, a lot of um, the you know shoulder and uh, neck and you know skin and and so on. Um, you know, the the sausage making um, is something that we did a lot of. Um, I think we had a we had one pork sausage on uh, that was kind of like a, a, a standard menu item that's uh um it's one of my uncles my, my late uh great uncles uh recipes um, from friuli um so that's a sausage full arm um so that's kind of our standard uh pork sausage um a little bit of white wine a little bit of garlic um yeah a little bit of uh, cinnamon um yeah, lots of salt and pepper um so we had that as a one of our, our standard uh, dishes on there. We also make some other interesting sausages. Um, you know, one being called fegatini. Um, so little little livers, which is a, a pork sausage um, that's also uh, got some uh, pork liver through it as well. Um, that's quite delicious. Got you know a bit of a sort of you know that livery pate uh, flavour to it. Um, and another one. Um, which you know, a lot of people would know as Cotacino. Um, we we called Mousette, um, but um, I guess traditionally with Mousette, it um, uh, Mousette refers to the snout of the pig. Um, so it is a a larger format, slow cooked sausage. You you simmer it in water. It's full of skin and fat. Um, you know, lots of spices. Again, white wine, garlic, and so on. Um, it's got a higher salt content to it to to age further, and then also to be able to come back to um, 
a sort of an, an edible salinity once it's been boiled as well. Um, yes, yeah, so that's a that's a great uh, sausage. Um, yeah, so yeah, a lot of sausage making, um, and then utilizing the other bits in, you know, things like the ragouts or doing pork cutlets, you know, crumb pork cutlets, cotoletta, and things like that. So yeah, a lot of pork. <laughs> T- tell us about the beginning of Lulu's. How did it all come about? Yeah, so Lulu's was actually something that um, we'd been work. My wife and I had been working on while we were in Melbourne, and we'd looked at sites while we were there. And um, I just, you know, we didn't, we weren't comfortable enough. I wasn't confident enough in in my own um, sort of uh, experience, and it's not not so much on the cooking side, but with regards to. You know, taking the taking the risk, going balls and all in, and um, opening a restaurant. That's a that's a pretty big risk. So, um, yeah, we were looking at that, and then and then we decided to make that move back to Perth. And um, I guess you know, after my time, uh, you know, at Lullarook, um, I just found that year on year I was going through the same patterns, um, you know, the same patterns of trade and so on. And I think I'd taken what I was doing at Lullarook as far as I could do and also, you know, gained a heap of uh, extra experience um, in, in, you know, running kitchens, uh, learning the, you know, the ins and outs of Perth and uh, Perth diners and so on. Um, and, you know, while obviously making a, a bit more of a name for myself in Perth, that um, it was time to time to jump in and, you know, put it all on the line and um, open open my restaurant. See, see if everything that I'd learnt over the years uh, would it would all stack up to it being a success. Uh, Were there challenges in getting it all up and running? Oh, I don't think the challenges have finished. <laughs> <laughs> to be honest, we're coming up seven years uh, in uh, next month. Um, you know, and you know, obviously the first few years were getting it. Up and running, getting the right staff, uh, you know, getting the right culture going, um, and then obviously we ran into that that thing that everyone ran into, um, and that still seems to be kicking everyone in the in the nuts as well, um, you know, in one way or another, um, you know, with the interest rates and and so on that have uh, you know sort of come back into effect, uh, you know, in the in the last year. Um, yeah, I don't. I don't think there is, and there is an easy time for hospitality. I haven't experienced it yet. So, <laughs> um, Lulu's, as you mentioned, is sort of something you've been working on or thinking about for a long period of time, and now you've had it for seven years. How do you describe the venue to people? Uh, yes, uh, it's it's small. It's about uh, we've got forty six seats inside. Um, you know, very very intimate. Uh, you know, as in as in its size. Um, you know, very loud, raucous. You know, it's a place for you know for having fun. Um, you know, it's it's kind of you know it's part of the the free alarm of people's sort of mentality. Um, you know, to to eat, drink, and and be merry. Um, you know, so we we wanted the place to have 
a good vibe to it. We wanted it to be, you know, loud, uh, you know, glasses chinking, people laughing, enjoying themselves. Um, we didn't want it to be a, a library. Um, you know, some, some people still don't get it. You know, we've lost a lot of customers along the way because we are the way we are, but I think we've, we've also gained a lot of customers that can appreciate uh, the spirit of, of the restaurant. Uh, you, you mentioned uh, the, your famous ragu, which is on the menu. Is there any uh, other ways you can share how pork weaves its way through the menu there at Lulu's? Yeah, look, on, in our chef's menu, we, we, still, um, we still put sausages uh, in, in uh, several forms into that. Um, currently, we've got a, a campanella pasta dish that we use the musette sausage as uh, part of a, a base in there um, we throw around a few specials here and there um, you know roasting porchetta um, you know or the, the the crumbs cotoletta um, yeah and you know the, it comes also comes in a lot in in cured forms as well um, you know in the antipasti but also you know a lot of pancetta going into sauces um, guanciale things like that so yeah it's um yeah it's it's in line with the with the cuisine. Um, you know, pork is is very heavily leaned on. <laughs> uh, you mentioned porchetta, and I remember seeing a photo of your porchetta just recently as a, as a special, which was a bit cruel, I thought, given I'm so far away from Perth. Um, tell us a bit about the porchetta and how you make it. Yeah, look, um, we can we can do it you know a couple of ways um using the whole midsection so um you know the the loin included in there um or or we can also do it just with uh, with a rolled belly as well um we make a bit of a, a sort of dry dry rub to put inside um ours has a bit of fennel seed uh rosemary sage a little, little bit of very finely chopped garlic um you know lots of salt lots of pepper um you know and i guess then it comes down to whether you want to um do a sort of a, a med well kind of roast with it or whether you want to sl slowly cook it so that the pork actually breaks down within the within the crackled crust um yeah a lot of the time we just do a medium well roast with it um yeah um it kind of takes a bit more time to <laughs> to do the the slow cooked version um but yeah i guess the main thing is for us is bringing that crackling up um first on a very high heat to you know help dry out the skin but also dry out any moisture as it's trying to escape um and you know really start to get that fry happening within the the salty skin itself and bringing up that crackle nice and nice and quickly and then dropping the oven back to finish the uh, the cook through that sounds amazing uh, lulu's has been going seven or over seven years now as you as you mentioned um, how, how different uh is it from you know when you first open the doors to what we see now I think visually it's changed a bit over the years, but um, as far as the the menu format goes and the concept um, goes, 
it's it's stayed relatively the same. Um, we do have several items on the menu that are just constants um, because we, we want people to be able to, you know, come back every week and get and get certain dishes, the, the tagliatelle being one of them, uh, my nonna's meatballs, which are a pork meatball as well. Um, they're, they're two uh, staples there. Um, and then we've got our chef's menu, and our chef's menu has become a lot more important um, since we started. Like when we started, the chef's menu was a bit more of a, uh, here, this is what we're about Um you know, kind of menu uh, to show people that, you know, we're kind of unsure about how to have the best experience. Um, you know, so that used to have a lot more of our, what, what have become our classic dishes um, involved in them, whereas now the chef's menu is a lot more of uh, our premium offering. You know, it's majority made up of things that aren't on the a la carte menu um it's where we get to play a lot more with um seasonality um of ingredients um but also you know put a few more things on there that that might be a little bit more challenging um for people um but you know in in saying that it's our job to make sure that a, a challenging idea is uh still delicious and uh we can turn people's opinion um on on things you know smoke deal might be an example um or something like that you know a lot of people sort of imagine an eel and go oh i don't want to eat that but if we can make a delicious pasta with with smoked eel um you know and make you see past the uh the good-looking animal that it is, um, then, uh, you know, that's that's part of what we do in the chef's menu. The culinary landscape in Perth has evolved beautifully over the last decade, and you've been a huge part of that. Um, what do you love about the Perth hospitality scene? I really like seeing uh, the, the growth, um, uh, not just in the industry, but the growth as a result of... You know, like more more kids coming through good restaurants and you know good alumni, um, and them starting to step up and and you know put their sort of youthful energy and their experience together um, in in these good restaurants to start to um, evolve the package even further. Um, you know, so yeah, there's there's some good. Good kids coming through. I say kids, but you know they're adults. But for me, they're kids. Um, <laughs> yeah, some good kids coming through, including our own head chef James, who's been with us. Uh, you know, he, he's come up through the ranks within Lulu's, um, and he's now been with us for over six years, um, and is now in the head chef position. Um, and you know, he's he's really kicking goals for us as well. Um, so it's great for me to be able to um, take that step um, back. I haven't been in the kitchen uh, for a couple of years now, um, so I've been in more of a, a hosting role. Well, you're doing amazing things over there in the West. Um, what do you love about what you do? Um, yeah, just to add on to what I was saying before um, about my about my staff, um, I just you know I love being able to pass that baton over to them. Um, yeah, and now, now that I'm out the front uh, on the floor, um, you know, 
love sort of meeting and greeting uh, all of our guests as well, getting to know some of our some of our guests that have been dining with us since we opened um, a lot more, which is a, a great pleasure because you don't really get to do that as much from, from behind the kitchen. Um, sort of, you know, a lot of people sort of used to seeing me on the other side of the kitchen sort of, you know, looking angry and and <laughs> it's not actually anger it's just it's just focus it's, it's different but they they sort of see it as anger um so getting out there and getting to getting to talk with them meet them know a bit more about about the people that you're looking after um that's a that's another really great part of it as well well joel it's an absolute honor to have you on the crackling today and um, good to catch up again um please keep in touch um, we'll catch up again soon will do thanks for having me this is The Crackling, a Deep in the Weeds production in partnership with Porkstar. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we catch up with some of Australia's best chefs and pork producers to discover what makes Australian pork so special.